0: You and I would do 10 times a better job interviewing Philip Scofield and Andrew Tate because we'd treat him like a human.
1: So a rebel with a cause, a disruptive entrepreneur. Where did that come from? When did that start? I never really felt
0: like I fit in at school. I was the fattest kid in my year at um, that age where you're maturing, hitting puberty, getting into girls, which... For me, it was definitely one of the most confusing times in my life. And then ever since then, even though I lost the weight, I still felt like an outsider. And I just never, whatever anyone felt was normal and acceptable, I didn't. And I didn't want to be like everybody else. And so... I guess for at least 15 years of my life, I was confused that I didn't feel like everybody else and I didn't want to fit in, but I didn't know what my place was. So yeah, this rebel with a cause, um, like if anything is, if this studio was really tidy, when you're, you're out there, I would want to mess it up a bit. Um, or if. Like whenever we have board meetings and everyone gets serious, I always try and make them more jovial and fun. Um, I just think that we're all unique and individual, but there's a lot of pressure for us not to be unique and individual, whether it's from society, governments, um, peer group, communities, networks. Um, And also, progress doesn't come from being the same. Progress comes from being different and doing things differently. And I've always most admired the people that do things differently, whether it was Arnie with his bodybuilding and then his acting or Elon Musk with the companies that he starts. And, and I guess it's my own way of... Like, if you think about it, people think it's a risk to be different or to go against the mainstream, the the rhetoric and the the narrative. But I think it's a risk not to do that because nothing changes. And there's no point being a rebel without a cause, because what's the point in just Shaking things up for the, the sake of it. Like my show is called Disruptors and at the end of every episode, I ask people, what does disruptive mean to you and shaking things up for the sake of it? All that does is create chaos and stress, mm-hmm. but shaking things up for a cause and a mission. I I think that is one of the fundamental is I can't say that it's the purpose of life and humanity, but it seems that evolution is adaptation and growth and if you don't change things which it takes rebellion to change things so if you don't change things you don't have evolution and growth therefore in the end you die and i think my soul feels a bit like that like my soul dies slowly if i'm just playing small and you, you know saluting to authority Whereas if I'm shaking things up, whether it's my own life or a niche or an industry that I'm I'm in, I I feel alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could probably talk about this for a long time. Um, And I know you've got all day. (laughs) I know you like to go deep on these things. Um, I think a lot of people are seeking happiness, but they're, They, their definition of happiness doesn't serve them or it's wrong. And they're serving, they're seeking happiness by trying to find easier. You know, I want passive income. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I want less stress. I want freedom. You know, when you ask people these things that they want that make them happy in a way, they create these fantasies because you can't have passive income without active income. You can't have recurring income without occurring income. Someone tried to tell me a week ago that, you know, I'm training for my first fight, as you know, at the moment. And someone basically tried to tell me that I could think my way fit. And I thought, what? So I can imagine myself sparring and imagine myself on the air bike and get fit that way. Come on. I've got to sweat. I've got to get on that air bike and get get in the ring. So people are looking for, easier and less responsibility, more order in their pursuit of happiness. When in reality, I believe that happiness comes after challenge and hardship and difficulty. And when you transcend a big meaty goal and the more meaty the goal, the bigger the challenge and the harder it is and the more pain and pressure and tension and stress you go through in the pursuit of the goal the more meaningful the goal is
1: what about the fulfillment at the end what about it so people that obtain that goal a lot of people then go i'm still not fulfilled would you be fulfilled
0: at the end of your goal i think it depends on how you're defining your goal so If there is this panacea destination of all destinations goal. Mm -hmm. If you agree with my theory that a purpose of life is progress and evolution. Of course, you've created a, a fantasy that there is one goal where it all ends and you find eternal happiness. So. If you put too much on the achievement of a goal, you create an unrealistic expectation of what that goal is and you get there and life gives you the same lesson again, which is, all right, you've evolved and you've grown and you've transcended this goal and maybe you're going to get some short-term happiness from that, but that will soon dwindle because... If the purpose of life was a destination, we'd all stop when we get there, but no one stops, or if they do stop. Because people wonder, well, why is it when I achieve a goal that all of a sudden I need to set another goal? Or why do I often feel empty when I've achieved this goal? Because humanity would just stop. We would die out within generations, a few generations, if we just, there was one, level we could achieve and then that's it then what
1: so how do you blend because i know you like that word how do we blend contentment
0: with ambition to know that as soon as we look for one pole without the other we're going to create delusion and fantasy and volatility so I'm sure everyone watching and listening has um, been infatuated with another human, whether it's someone they wanted to be in a relationship with or someone they pedestalized as a hero. And with enough time, when you get to know that human, you realize they have downsides too because every human has downsides. In fact, many people infatuate over people, they get with them, and then they end up divorcing them. Well, that person didn't change, they just got to know them. So everything I believe in ups in life has equal upsides and downsides and it has these poles, you, you cannot have a magnet with just a plus and not a minus. And so the drive to growth and betterment and attainment and achievement and success and progress and evolution will never go away because it's inbuilt within human. It's one, it's one of the, the poles. And then the other pole are the reward emotions for that, for, for achieving that, like elation, contentment, fulfillment. And so you only get fulfillment and contentment, I believe, because people think contentment is having no responsibility and an easy life. That is not contentment. That's a fantasy. Contentment is I trained for 28 weeks for this fight and now it's done and I've raised 140 grand for charity and I've knocked him out in the second fucking round because that's what I'm going to do. That's contentment. Contentment isn't not taking the fight in the first place. So I think people misunderstand happiness emotions. Basically, easy now, hard later hard now, easy
1: later. I couldn't it much better myself, to be honest. Um, Some I know that you're, well, you talk about it pretty much in all of your podcasts and all of the YouTube videos, Freedom of Speech. Do we have any?
0: Um, that's another paradox because mm. I've asked loads of people about this. And at first I used to think we don't have freedom of speech. And now I think we do. So I did have a feeling he was going to say that. Yeah. I mean, you can say whatever you want. The question is, are you ready for the consequences of what you say or don't say? Mm -hmm. So, for example, and I think this is disgusting, but someone got arrested at the FA Cup final because on the back of their shirt, they had 97 the number and not enough above it. And they were referring to the 97 Liverpool fans that died in the Hillsborough disaster. And this was a a Manchester fan. I won't say which team because I'm not doing it to criticise. And it's only one human. That person had the freedom to put that on their T-shirt. And they got fucking arrested for it. And in my opinion, they deserve to be arrested for that. So he had the freedom to make that shirt and say what he wanted to say. But he has to face the consequences. So. I do have the freedom to say whatever I want. The question is, am I prepared to say it or not say it? Because mm. the freedom of speech is not just the freedom to say what I want. It is perceived oppression to not speak out when I should. So, yeah, go on. No, go on. so here's what I've learned. If I want a YouTube channel that doesn't keep getting shut down, There's certain phrases, (laughs) Harry is head producer. So if we talk about lockdowns or COVID or we interview David Icke or Andrew Tate, we are flirting with YouTube, shadow banning or giving us a seven-day ban or cancelling us. But we know that now. We didn't know it at the start. Mm -hmm. And sometimes to know the line, you have to cross the line. So so we do have freedom of speech because we can choose not to say it. And if we go, oh, fuck YouTube, we're just going to say it anyway. Well, this is YouTube's platform. This is your studio I've come into. So I've got freedom to start criticising you, but this is your studio. You've invited me in. So I'm an idiot if I start criticising you in your studio. So I have changed my tune. I, I do feel like YouTube and social media, they should give us a bit more freedom to speak, but also it's their platform and their rules. And that's okay. And if I don't like their rules, I can go on Rumble or Getter or some other platform or I can create my own platform. For me, freedom of speech is... Being able to express your opinion to the point where it isn't detrimental to others, but defining detrimental to others is really difficult. As long as you stay
1: within the boundaries, I think, as you've already said, (coughs) excuse me, and it's not going to harm anyone. It's not racist, for example, as you've already mentioned. I think it's fine, and if you stay within the the rules of whichever platform you're on then you should be fine. But again, what is political correctness? Um, you've asked this question before, and I think it was David Icke. I'd be interested to get your take on this.
0: Um, I have a very healthy skepticism towards politics and media, mm-hmm. and I believe there are hidden agendas in politics, whether it is an individual who's a careerist, and they're more interested in their own career than there are they are being a civil and public servant or whether there's strings being pulled behind the scenes of governments and organizations I'm sure there are very powerful people who control politics and policy much more than politicians um but i don't I don't really know who's pulling those strings and I've asked a lot of people, and no one's given me any names um So no one really knows, but so a system that I believe is not good enough for the people and is not a public servant enough, um, which is what it is at the moment. In that regard, being politically correct to me doesn't even register as a thing. I think... Media has a lot to play with it because, you know, being politically correct could mean being careful with what you say so the media don't come for you. Mm -hmm. So it's actually not political. It's media driven. And it's. It could be for a news story. So Philip Schofield. Um, it seems like I have a relatively controversial view on this, which surprises me greatly. Here's my view. As we speak, and this could change, so I'll caveat it. But as we speak, the young man that Philip Schofield had an affair with wasn't underage and has no grievance towards Philip Schofield. If that's the case fuck off and leave him alone because what's he done wrong? The young man is either legal or illegal of age because that is clear by law. So it's a moral question, not a legal question. Well, it's actually also a contractual question, which I'll get to in a minute. So um, it's none of my business what your sexuality is, and what your intimate personal relationships are. And if I ask you about your personal relationships and you decide you don't want to tell me or you lie to me about it, that's your prerogative because it's your private life. And the media want to cancel him because they're vultures, because they want to suck a story to sell relevance when they're dying BBC are dying and that they will happily force Philip Schofield into maybe committing suicide because there's red flags there that this guy is suicidal and they don't give a fuck based on his private life which is private Uh, oh well you know apparently all of his colleagues and his employers you know he lied to them everyone lies every fucking day if you ask me a question about my private life I don't want to answer I will fucking lie to you because it's my private life. Fuck off and leave him alone. He's a human who's being publicly hung, drawn, quartered and stoned. And it's really wrong. And that's all happening because the media want a story. And it's politically correct to say, oh, he's a groomer. Well, no one's got any proof that he's a groomer. Now, he met, he met the kid when he was underage. I know people who are married to people who met them when they were underage. Meeting an underage person is not a crime. Now, if it turns out it was underage and it's illegal, that's completely different. But that is not currently the state of play. And I I have friends who are very famous who have been hung out to dry by the media by using political correctness whether it's gender or race or whatever which by the way these are just fucking fads that that the media choose to be a fad a movement you know like the me too movement and the black lives matter movement there were nefarious undertones in those movements and and these are just some of the things i think when you trigger me with the words political correctness what about human correctness what about like I would love to interview Philip Schofield here's what pisses me off bullshit dying mainstream media completely biased non-factual like the BBC they get the big scoops like Philip Schofield and Andrew Tate's first interview out of prison and they fuck it up you and I would do 10 times a better job interviewing Philip Schofield and Andrew Tate because we'd treat him like
2: a human
0: not a commodity that we want to ruin so we can become more relevant I would never ruin anyone just to get more relevant in media no fucking way in fact Harry's wants me to interview a couple of guests because he knows we could go viral on it I said no because it doesn't fit well with me anyway it's good to be here
1: (laughs) (laughs) You carry on as much as you like it's it, very interesting to learn from well, What do you think about what I've just said? I agree. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, you can see by the guests that I've had on, um, and including yourself, if I don't agree with it, I'll challenge them. And I'm sure you've seen as well, Harry. I won't just sit here and agree if no. I don't agree. Um, I agree with everything that you have just said, uh regarding phillips Gofield. Yeah. Um, but again, if I didn't agree with you,
0: uh, then I will challenge it. Yeah. And here's the thing. I believe humanity would be in a much better place if we could have agreeable discourse. We could disagreeably agree and agreeably disagree. Mm-hmm. Progress comes through discussion, debate, argument, disagreement. Mm-hmm. And the problem with the world now is if you don't agree with me, I don't like you. Fuck off. Oh, wait a minute. I want to cancel you because you don't agree with me. That's, that is mostly what's wrong with the world. Um. Whereas if we can have challenging discussion and debate and respectfully and politely disagree, and if you change my mind, I can move my ego away and go, no, I actually agree with you on that. You've changed my mind. And if you don't, I still stick to my own volition. I think the world would be a much better place. But for some reason, humans find that really hard to do. Because they've got a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. Or an ulterior motive.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that is true. So how can we change it?
0: Um, basically, know that your worldview is just your worldview. It's one of 7 billion worldviews. It is not better or worse or right or wronger than anyone else's worldview. So respect other people's worldview as well. And if you want to progress in life, engage in challenging debate, challenge other people's worldviews with things you believe in, and allow your worldviews to be challenged by others. And don't judge the person, judge the discussion. Solid
1: advice. So this is AI. I just wanted to jump onto that quickly. Um, something I'm not familiar with, and I'm obviously going to be open, not going to be familiar with it just yet. There's a lot of artificial intelligence talk that's been thrown around. I don't know if you are, it's something I want to talk to you about what what
0: is it what does it mean to you well artificial intelligence is well,
1: what what opportunities do you see coming from artificial intelligence
0: oh it, it paradoxically it could be the greatest advancement of humanity and it could be the thing that triggers our extin- extinction because it, it i was talking i've talked to a lot of people about this including experts in this we've had experts on the show about this and it seems that we are at the point now of no return mm-hmm. of the journey towards ai we so saw ai is already f- far quicker um and has greater data capacity and problem solving capacity and speed um i guess the only thing that it isn't yet is sentient and or conscious um so what advancements could we have life longevity the continual increase of information um it it can make our lives easier faster better in Virtually every way. Replacement of jobs? Yeah, but all technological advancements um, make our lives easier and better. And the downside consequence of that is there are less jobs. Like how many people worked in the factories before you had the, the more automated factory line? Having a new technology... Replace jobs is not a new thing. It it happens through history. Um, what I would say to someone who might be scared of losing their job is learn a new skill because there's lots of new skills that AI will spin off Mm -hmm. that could create jobs equally to people losing jobs.
1: That being in a form of content, producing content a lot
0: quicker. Well, think about every day, right? Every day, Harry and I get multiple emails from people pitching us to turn our long-form content into short-form content. So basically, editors who take your podcast and your YouTube and turn it into YouTube shorts and TikToks and et cetera. Three years ago, I would get none of them. And now we get, you know, multiples a day. So that's a, a new job that didn't exist. And that can be done from your bedroom or your living room or on your laptop audio editing of podcasts now because there's a lot more we're going to three studios today so you and two other people have your own studio so you have your own studio you need lighting you need videographers social media agencies and growth agencies and growing trying to grow your own social media and there's new ad platforms out all the time There's always new evolving emerging jobs and markets and actually if you get in there at the early adopter phase you can get in there where there's high margin and low competition so with ai it could be a great opportunity for high margin and low competition like if i wanted to get into ai i'd find out all the long-form content that people are struggling with and i'd get them to pay me to help them do it and i'd use ai to help create so if someone was struggling writing a book, they could hire me as a researcher and I'd use AI for 80% of the research. Mm -hmm. So I could, I could almost just become a broker of AI. So there's lots of great opportunity, but you know, Terminator and Skynet and, and these Darwinian sci-fi films where technology makes us extinct and turns against us. (laughs) That is more real than it's ever been.
1: And again, we're just going to touch on the social media stuff now. It's, I get this all of the time people coming up to me. They say, Liz, you look quite relaxed in your podcast. You seem quite raw, relevant. And that's something that I can resonate with yourself with. Passionate. Again, you got very passionate there about when we talked about politics or you spoke about politics. How do we get over this fear or how do people get over this fear of being judged? Especially on the social, this facade that people appear to put
0: up okay right so don't trigger again (laughs) i I might i might go on this one (laughs) no no this one's this one's closer to my own emotions in that for most of my life i've struggled with and worried about being judged so the first thing is appreciating what emotions are so If you experience a negative emotion, you have labeled that as negative, but it's only because it doesn't feel good that we label it negative. But if there was an imminent threat to your life right now, would you want to experience a positive or a negative emotion? That's a question to you. Positive. Would you? So you'd want to feel happy and relaxed knowing that someone out there is about to come in with a machete, or would you want to feel scared and on edge? Depends if I knew it was coming. Okay. Well, I'm going to argue this then. I'm going to answer this for you. I believe that in a stressful situation where your survival was at stake, what we perceive to be negative emotions, stress with cortisol flying around your body is a more useful emotion.
1: The only reason, because I've been in the situations whereby my previous job, the company that I own, being a bailiff, you're in very high stressful situations. Yeah. Knowing I'm going into that stressful situation, if I was, like you say, having them feelings, you can't do that job properly.
0: No, okay, so someone comes in with a knife machete right now. That's a negative. Yeah, you, you, basically. So my point is that's actually not a negative emotion to be on edge and stressed and scared and therefore more strength in your body, your quicker reactions is a good thing. So every emotion we perceive to be negative actually isn't negative. We just perceive it to be negative. Mm -hmm. Every emotion has a purpose. So another example would be shame. Shame is very motivating an emotion to get you to change. guilt that is a good measure of oh i shouldn't behave like that in the future because i feel bad having done that before Mm -hmm. so guilt's good feedback shame can be a very motivating emotion so first off understand that all emotions aren't good or bad they're just all functional and useful and understanding what their purpose is mm -hmm. so therefore what is the useful, functional purpose of feeling like you're being judged? To make sure that you can fit within a community, a hierarchy, and a society without getting yourself ostracized. Because if you didn't worry about being judged by anyone, if I didn't, you know, like, I don't worry too much about being judged by you, but I would like to think that when you le- when I leave here, you've got something useful from me and it's been worth your time. And if I didn't have that concern, I wouldn't make the effort. I'd be, all right, fuck you. Yeah, got to go. We're going to be late to the next one. Yeah, so having that, not fear of, but awareness of being judged is useful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing a, a talk at um, Michaela School, which is a very disruptive school um, for very high achieving young kids from underprivileged backgrounds. And I'm more nervous about that than I am any normal talks. And you could say, well, why? They're, they're only a bunch of kids. Well, because I want to make a good impression. And I want to impact these kids' life in a really positive way. So I'm nervous, or at least I'm like, I've got to do a good job. And what does that make me do? Makes me do better research, makes me practice my talk, et cetera. So having a a feeling that you are being judged is useful to keep you useful within your society. But it's when it gets to the point where it debilitates you, it freezes you, or it stops you putting your content out to the world, or it makes you play small. And so to answer that, I would simply say, you're being judged anyway. Like you're judging me anyway. And you're either going to have Rob was better than I thought. Rob was different than I thought. Or Rob was not as good as I thought. Or that part was good and that part wasn't so good. And I can't control that. You're different than what I thought you'd be. (laughs) So so I can't control that. I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. So why should I even be worried about how you're judging me? Because you're judging me through your own filters. How you're judging me is none of my business. It's nothing to do with me because I am being me. You're just judging me based on your own life experiences and your own initial perceptions of me. And, you know, I would like as a soft, warm, cuddly, ex-fat person that those – judgments are positive, but I'm okay with them being negative. So people will judge you anyway, and it's none of your business about how they judge you. So I, if I'm comfortable with who I am, doesn't matter how you judge me. If I'm not comfortable with who I am, I might be concerned about how you judge me, and I, want, I might want you to judge me positively so that I feel better about myself. So the greatest gift you can give to yourself when you're worried about being judged is by appreciating you for who you are.
1: And what steps does does someone need to take in order to get to where they are or where you are today, or but for that individual? If they've not even taken the first initial step to start working on themselves, because it's a long road if they've not posted that first piece of content, um, but they're stuck behind that camera and they're just froze like you've just mentioned there. You've recently done a talk at peak performance, which is it's hard for people to post that first piece of content, but sometimes they just got to get out their own way. What would your advice be to that person?
0: Um, again, it depends on the person. So if you're worried about the response to your content, I would say the same thing. You're going to, your content's going to be judged anyway, so you might as well yeah. just put it out. I would also say that your first content piece of content or your next piece of content Can't be as good as your hundredth or your thousandth piece because you're going to improve. So the sooner you start, the better you get. I greatly admire Ed Sheeran, and he said that if you want to write a good song, you have to write a lot of shit songs. And so, in me training for this fight, I have to have a lot of shit sparring sessions. I have to do a lot of circuits in the early days. Well, I mean, we couldn't even do ten burpees, could we, before we even started? And you know, now we smash out. Rounds and rounds and rounds of them. Couldn't even go one minute sparring without gassing out. And I think I did 10 three-minute rounds um, yesterday. No problem. Every winner was once a beginner. Every master was once a disaster. But ultimately, if someone is worried or not putting themselves out there, it's usually something to do with how it will be judged. And I think the best way to overcome how something will be judged is to make sure That you do what you can to be okay with yourself. So Harry and I, in the last couple of weeks, some of our content's not gone that viral. But I like the content, so I don't give a fuck. And I honestly don't. But if I don't really love the content and it's not doing that well, that bothers me. So now I'm going to try and have this rule, which is, as long as I like the content that I'm doing... If it doesn't go viral, well, it's on them. It's not on me. I just want to be, I just want to know that I'm doing good work. And I know you're big
1: on time. And if someone gives you an excuse that they haven't got the time to do it, that would,
0: would it be, would I be right in saying that is a, is a trigger for yourself? Do you... Yeah. I mean, we were late today. You didn't hear me making an excuse. Mm. Didn't say a word. And you were asking about traffic. I didn't say a word. And if you'd have asked me, I'd have said, we didn't set off early enough
1: do you think do you think your diary
0: is a true reflection of your happiness i've never been asked that question but i'd have to say the answer is no because sometimes there are things in my diary that i know i have to do that i don't necessarily want to do but if i want to progress in my life there's things that i have to do that i don't necessarily want to do but i did write a book called routine equals results and i have explained to people very clearly that if you master your diary you will have more mastery over your life and so I'm very careful about what I put in my diary. But the reality of time is you are a master of your own time. And if you're late, that's on you, even if it's not. I didn't fill up the car with petrol and I left Harry with a car empty full of petrol, so we had to take a detour to get the petrol. I hadn't got my coffee in the morning because he picked me up at 6am and I had to get my coffee. And even though Harry thought he'd set up with enough time, I know when you go to London, it can take two hours, but it can sometimes take three. And so it was me that made us late. Harry was just driving the car. And if you'd have have said anything to me about that, I'd have said the truth, not bullshit. And I try my best not to be late. Sometimes it happens, it's life. Um, But if you waste your time or you do low value tasks, or you make excuses for where all the time goes, or you don't do things because you believe or you convince yourself that you don't have time, you don't understand what what your own life priorities are. And when you understand what your life priorities are, all of a sudden, You will make time for the high priorities because actually we're all making time for the things that are of priority to us. You're not kicking me out of here, which means you're making this a priority. And he's itching because we've got another interview and I know that, but I'm not rushing to get out of here because I want to make up for the fact that we were 15 minutes late. So we're both making this a priority and we've chosen to do that. And therefore, we've chosen that everything else is not as high a priority. So the key for people is to be conscious of what your highest priorities are. And then you make the time. So you're a well-built guy. You've got some good muscles. I know you've been in the gym. And there's been loads of times when you've not felt like going to the gym, but you make it a priority because your, your health and the way you look and your strength is important to you. And Harry and I will train in tiny little hotel rooms or we'll train on this street because we've got a fight in four weeks. I will train in my... I will train in my pants in that streak as I haven't got my gym kit because I've got a fight in four weeks because I make it a priority. My gym bag was out there. You walked past it. (laughs) I I have to. So there you go. So you make it a priority. Mm -hmm. So you keep your gym bag with you and you don't make excuses. So if people want a different result in their life, they need to make different priorities and they need to stop making excuses. So if you was the last person on earth, what would you be doing? I'd be trying to find another person on earth. Like being the last person on earth is actually a really scary, empty, lonely thought to me. Remember I'm the kid that was very alone. When I was young, I would not, I would not want to be the last person on earth. I, I would admit, I would just spend my whole time trying to find other people. Yeah. I'll ask you that question. Cause
1: Ollie, i ask you that as well. And I know it's one of your favorite questions.
0: Yeah. Well, Ollie, Ollie Ollerton is a great guy. And, he, he, he asks himself this question, what would I do if I were the last person on Earth? And what he means by that is, what would I do if I knew there was no one there to judge me? Mm. And I think that's a great question. It's just that I would be lonely. Who it wouldn't? It's not just you. Well, I but... bet Harry would probably like it. <laughs> Harry doesn't like most humans. We, our coach doesn't like humans. Some people are not really, yeah, no. Like I know people who just would want a dog, and, and that would be enough for them. But for me, I, I need other humans. I completely agree. I mean, we
1: haven't scratched the surface on Progressive, your property portfolio. Um, the, there's so much that we could touch on. Um, guys, you're going to have to
0: go over to the website. I mean, got how
1: many episodes now? Of, just,
0: of my podcast, Yeah, Disruptors? Yeah, um, Nearly 1,000. It's coming up to 1,000. Between the two shows, it's over 1,000. Yeah. Oh, well, because I have a podcast called Money as well. It must be nearly 1,300 between
1: the two. So we haven't even touched on on the podcast, Steve. There's some amazing guests on there that you go and have a look, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, But like you've already mentioned, you've got the fight coming up. Just talk us through that. Um, What's going on? Who's it with? And obviously, you've been talking about the lead up to that. You've lost nine kilograms now.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't... If anyone knows what i look like now you can see i wouldn't have been overweight with nine kilos more i didn't try and lose weight i just trained hard so in four weeks i'm fighting samuel Leeds, who's another guy who's got a property training business um and he called me out for a fight live on a podcast and i accepted and i bet him 50 grand and then he upped it to 100 grand it's at the brentwood center in essex i think the tickets are sold out now um more v Leeds is the website if um i mean i'm I'm sure the odd person won't turn up. I'm sure someone could squeeze in. Um, The reason I accepted was because it was a new challenge. Subconsciously, I was ready because I wasn't focusing on my health and fitness as much as I should have been. Mm -hmm. And I'm 44 now, so I felt like I needed to get control of that back. And that felt like a really good way to do that, and that's definitely proven to be true. Also, I wanted to raise a good lump of money for charity. Some people say, oh, well, you you shouldn't be fighting. Why don't you just... um, Get him to give you the money. He's not going to give me the money. I'm going to have to knock it out of him. If I said to you, I'll give me a hundred grand for my foundation. You're going to say, no, if I challenge you to a charity boxing match and we sold 1700 tickets and we had a bet, you're going to do it. Um, I've not had a boxing match before. So I wanted to challenge myself on that. Um, And I also wanted to see what it would be like to do Mm -hmm. because, you know, you've got people like Jake Paul who've, you know, I'm not going to make a living out of this. This is just a one off. Um, but you know, people have made a big living out of it. And you know, I wanted to see what it was like to have a bit of beef because I got a natural bit of beef with the guy. He's a lot heavier than me and he's very mouthy, um, good at the hype and the spin. And I thought it might be nice to have a duel with him in that regard. So um, yeah, on July the 1st, i knock out Samuel Leeds. Fantastic, mate. Rob, it's been an absolute pleasure. Where can people find you? My name is Rob Moore, so search me online, you'll find me anywhere. My podcast is Disruptors and I'm on all social media, written a load of books. Yeah. And obviously if you
1: haven't signed up already, go to robmoore.team and, uh, yeah, you won't be disappointed.
0: Thank you very much. Mate. Thanks Lewis. Can I just ask you one question before we leave? You, you said, um, your perception of me, your judgment of me is different. As to social media. Yeah, so um, what was your initial perception and what is your now perception? I just find this fascinating. I'm not looking.
1: No, no, it's, it should be still running. To, so, to be loved. But. <laughs> no, it, it's prof- the professional image that you give off and the, uh, what's the best way to put it? Well, the image that's given off on social media, the the salesman, the, the person that you are seen as on social media, but then the warm side of you that's come out today, I think it's rare to see, or it's not seen as on social media and YouTube,
0: and I think more people need to see it. Well, thank you for the feedback. I think social media is part of the problem of that Mm. because I actually much prefer long form content and I would way rather do 90 minutes than 90 seconds, even though 90 minutes takes a lot longer because I think it's very easy to not be honest in a piece of 90 second content course it is because of the editing and the short form nature, but it's very difficult to lie and be dishonest on a 90 minute piece of content because you really get to know someone and and how they are. So, um, I think social media is part of the problem and the desire for short form and I am a champion of long form content. That's which is why harry has taken me to do three interviews and which is why we're not rushing about and which is why we're staying here for 90 minutes absolutely although we better get the fuck out of here, hadn't we mate <laughs> yeah because we've got to go via costa coffee <laughs> yeah that is a non-negotiable brilliant lewis thank you very much thank you you really